Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 37, Part 1, the Day of the Dragon ended in an assassination attempt. In this episode, Chapter 37, Part 2, are the final days before the wedding and coronation. Alright, let's dive in. There was a cold snap the following morning that had Seb and Vivin shivering on their jog. From the council room, the lingering effect of silvery frost could be seen on the grass in the courtyard. Art, Vivin, and Alice sat together as usual. Arthur had gone through with his haircut so he could become a personal guard. He kept his gray hair neatly brushed and even got himself clean-shaved. Seb couldn't argue. His mother had said she would be glad of his protection when she traveled from the palace, and his company otherwise. All right, Art, let's start with you. Seb picked on him purposefully. Liam, Art's partner for their project, was glad Seb usually asked Art to speak instead of him. We've closed out a small illegal trading operation in the Urus. They were shipping dragon bones to Oster, or trying to, anyway. Seb already knew what he was being told, since he asked Art to come to him any time a trading operation had been found. Your report is due in two days. The wedding and coronation don't change that? Seb raised an eyebrow at him, knowing he was teasing. Moving on. Have we found anything out about Malum? The council member assigned to the project spoke up. We have, yes. He waited for murmurs to die down before continuing. He's been spotted in the western regions. The Balgadi reported it. Neva and a small team are investigating as we speak. Neva, his young partner on the case, wasn't present for the meeting. That isn't much to go on, but I'm glad we're making progress, Seb nodded. The meeting continued. Near the end, he cleared his throat and stood. I hope you all enjoyed the Day of the Dragon. As you know, it's going to be an annual celebration across Rhydon. It's unfortunate that this year's day ended the way that it did, I feel like it stole from the purpose of the celebration. The goal of the Day of the Dragon is to make civilians comfortable with dragons. But why? An older member asked. You're from Imperior, so you may not see things quite the way I do. There's communities across Rhydon that don't have tamers, or maybe only one or two. When the Cayenne visit those communities to lend aid, there's a sense of wariness and mistrust among the civilians. Seb paused to see if the council was following. To us, our dragons are tamed and well-behaved, but they're also massive, lethal creatures. There's never really been a problem before, Alor, the same council member interjected. I disagree. I think there's been a problem all along, a segregation, if you will. And I'd like everyone, not just tamers, to trust dragons and see their merit. It just might come in handy one day. He gazed at the female tamer next to him. I'd like you to tour around Rhydon, preferably with another tamer or two, and have civilians grow accustomed to your dragons. I've already asked her, Seb said, referring to her dragon. And she said she was up to the task. The council members seemed hesitant. Would you like me to ask someone else? She shook her head. No, I agree with you. 
I come from a town south of Tumultio, and there aren't many tamers there. That being said, there may be some resistance and possibly hostility toward bringing dragons into communities. And that's why I chose you, Seb smiled sweetly. I believe you're going to bring invaluable insight to this assignment. Of course, don't go anywhere or do anything that's going to put you at risk. But from now on, I want our unified goal as the Dragon Tamers Council to be education and true representation of dragons and their personalities. Is there anything anyone would like to add? Vivin was proud of his former apprentice. He had flourished so much since they first met. Sebastian had meetings until the middle of the afternoon with dignitaries who came for the wedding. Vanna sat with him in the study. They used the settee and plush chairs instead of sitting at the bureau, keeping the meetings informal and pleasant. When the final meeting ended, Seb and Fauna sighed, sitting on the sofa together. She turned to him, sitting on her knees, and kissed him tenderly. It'll be nice when it's just us again. Seb grunted in agreement and kissed her deeply. Fauna kissed back, taking his face in her hands. He slipped his hands around her and went in to kiss her neck. When the door burst open, they jumped and Seb's friends piled in, laughing and teasing at the couple's embrace. Tristan and Elon pulled Seb off of the couch and the boys pushed him out of the door. Fauna heard the word bachelor and knew Seb would be having a long night. The following morning, Seb woke up to someone shaking his leg. He groaned and felt his head pound. He felt so sick, he thought he would be better off dying. Ugh. Seb, get up. It's ten in the morning, and you have things to do. Vivin prodded him again, and Sebastian sat up. The world spun, and Seb clutched his stomach. Easy. Here. Vivin handed him a glass of water. He didn't let go of the glass until Seb had a firm hold of it. Seb mumbled a few words. It sounded like he was underwater. He popped his ears and tried again. What time did I get home last night? Not sure. Art and I were at the pub until 10 or so. You weren't too far gone at that point. But if you left, who was my guard? Seb winced at his pounding head. Ryan stayed with you for at least a couple of hours after that. Some of the boys from your Tamer Ball team were with you the entire night. I made certain to stress their behavior before I left. In Vivin language, that meant that if they took their eyes off of Seb and he found out about it, they would deeply regret it. Seb realized he was still in his clothes from the day before and wondered if anyone would care if he didn't change. He held his shirt away from his body to check it for stains, and pulled up his left sleeve in a panic. Where is it? Seb threw the covers off of his bed and shook them out, and Vivin stared at him in bewilderment. Where is what? My bracelet, the one I always wear. Seb ran a hand through his hair and checked under the bed. I never take it off. Perhaps you lost it last night while you were out? Vivin knew the bracelet Seb was talking about. His lucky charm, the leather bracelet Fauna had made them when they were children. He had worn it every day that Vivin had known him, even under his gauntlets when they went into skirmishes against bandits. 
Seb wrung his hand around his bare wrist in despair. There was an obvious tan line where his bracelet had sat. Fauna is going to be so upset. Sebastian sat down for his breakfast in the private parlor room. His friends were waiting for him, also suffering from hangovers. Lord Oril was reading a dossier and enjoying a cup of tea on a sofa, and Grimmin and Kael were speaking Romofsian by a window that overlooked the garden. Seb sat down at the small breakfast table with his friends and rested his head on the tablecloth. His hangover felt worse with the loss of his bracelet. I feel dead inside. How much did I drink? A lot, Axon grumbled. Some would say too much. Elon, who appeared to be the most alert of the group, replied. But, Crise defended, that wasn't just a bachelor party. That was your birthday party, too. So we had to cram a lot of drinking into one night. Speaking of cramming things, Tristan yawned. Did you see that one stripper last night who... Crise smacked the back of his head since they were in polite company. I don't remember anything, Seb mumbled. You don't, Elon said quietly and glanced at the other guys. I've never had this much to drink in my life, Seb huffed. Matthias walked into the room in his usual good humor and saw Seb with his head down on the table. Have a good night, lad. He slapped his arm on the way past, and Seb cursed in pain. What? Seb touched the spot on his deltoid and felt the itchy pain again. His friend stared at the table as he wrestled off the long sleeve to look at his arm. Grades above! Who let me get this? Seb choked. A tattoo of the cayenne symbol was inked onto his arm. Crise, you were supposed to be the voice of reason last night. Seb carefully slipped the sleeve back over the tattoo and buried his head in his hands. I was the voice of reason, until that fifth pint I got lured into, Seb's best friend mumbled. I'm never drinking with you guys again, Seb grumbled. You'll have time to feel sorry about yourself later. Vivin plopped a strong cup of coffee in front of the young man as their breakfast was served. You have a game in an hour. Seb cursed again and looked at Vivin pleading. I don't have to go, do I? Vivin shrugged. You tell me. You're the Great Tamer. To say that the Tamer Ball game was rough was an understatement. Seb had even gone so far as to ask Kyle and Grimmin if there was an old elvish remedy for hangovers. He got a laugh from the serious guards, and no cure for his indisposition. It didn't help that his friends and quite a few of the wedding guests were watching the match. Ryan knew how terrible Seb was feeling, so he made sure he wasn't on the starting line. Unfortunately for Seb, the crowd was cheering to have him play. The young man straddled Nocte, and they flew across the field. If you throw up on me, I'll be very displeased. Seb wanted to lie down with his head on Fauna's lap more than anything else in the world. But the ball was thrown to him, and he was brought back to reality. He held on to the ball for a moment. Who should he throw to? No one was up the field. Suddenly, another dragon slammed into Nocte. Seb hadn't been paying attention. He found himself falling through the air. 
he hurled the ball to one of his airborne teammates before slamming into the ground. The crowd winced, and Seb tried desperately not to vomit. His stomach was uneasy enough already without the impact of hitting the semi-frozen ground. He stood and took a few steps. Nocte landed next to him, blocking him from the crowd. Seb, are you hurt? You need to hold on better. I'm fine. Maybe I'll stay down here for most of the game. It didn't fare any better for the regent. He was tackled mercilessly by the opposing team since they knew he was off his game. He was tackled by two players at once near the end of the game, and when he shook them off, one of the players shoved him. Seb wasn't in the mood to mess around. He shoved him back. He could hear Ryan yelling at him to fall back, but as soon as the opposing player took a swing at him, Seb tackled him around the waist and slammed him into the ground. A number of players threw themselves into the fray, and only a few pulled out of the fight without a scrape. Seb felt blood trickle down his cheek. Ryan hauled him away from the other team angrily. What are you doing, Seb? Your wedding is in a couple of days. You're going to look like a street thug in front of everyone. Seb opened his mouth to protest when they heard the vexed growls of dragons. Two of the dragons were challenging each other on the ground, circling each other and lashing their tails. The last thing they needed today was a bloody fight between dragons. Seb dashed over and put himself between them before the dragons lunged at each other. The Great Tamer held up his hand to the navy blue dragon while speaking to the matte orange dragon. The navy dragon took a charge at Seb, who gave her one look that stopped her dead in her tracks. The crowd watched in silent awe. The Great Tamer scolded her and the dragon dropped her tail to the grass sullenly. Seb gave her chest a gentle push, and the dragon backed off. The orange dragon had settled down as well, as if it feared displeasing the great tamer. Charles Bynes sat in the stands with his daughter and wife. Alice and Vivian sat one row above them, guarding the family. Look at the way he commands the dragons, the future father-in-law said in disapproval. He always has to be controlling someone. Vivian stiffened, and Alice put a hand on his leg. Fauna leapt to Sebastian's defense immediately. He just prevented a fight between two dragons. And no one else could have? Charles replied haughtily. No, they couldn't have, Fauna said matter-of-factly. No one else even moved a muscle when the dragon started acting up. Seb is the only person who can put himself between two dragons and live to tell a tale. Or did you forget he's the Great Tamer? He should leave well enough alone like everyone else does. Fauna stood and hurried out of the stands angrily. Alice followed her, but Vivian was forced to stay and guard the binds. Dinner that night was chaotic. Prince Zayraid was fussy, and Kirik's toddler Ben wasn't a happy camper either. Guests filled the long table, and for the sake of courtesy, the royalty at the palace dined with everyone else. Seb maneuvered sitting with his friends for that evening. He could still hear Charles and his not-so-subtle snubs, but he ignored it. The problem tonight was Shiloh. Her beauty had grown in the nearly two years that had passed since they first met. She complimented Crise very well, leaning into him and touching his arm. Every once in a while, however... 
she would send a direct gaze to Seb, who would look away uncomfortably. Seb's friends attempted to get him to go out drinking again, but he reminded them of their adventure the preceding evening, and was able to find solace in his quiet study. One more night after this, then the wedding. Seb thought to himself over and over. He touched the bare spot where his bracelet should have been. He planned to meet Fauna in the library later, since he had a surprise for her. She hadn't noticed the leather band was missing yet. Vivin knocked on the door and stepped inside. He saw Seb sitting at his desk, twirling a quill between his fingers and staring into space. Am I interrupting? Seb took a moment to pull away from his thoughts. No, not at all. He sat up straight and blinked at the dozens of documents on his desk. How's that cut? Sebastian remembered the gash on his cheekbone from the Tamerball match. It's fine. Can I ask you something, Seb? Vivin's tone made the young man look up. His mentor stood patiently, the way he always did. Perfect posture, shoulders back, hands clasped behind him. He still looked a bit strange with his black hair cut short. Yeah, of course you can, Vivin. What happened between you and Shiloh, and Boft? Seb was taken aback. He couldn't have prepared himself for that question. Nothing, he mumbled, straightening papers. Things are tense between you two. You're imagining it. It's my job to notice things, Seb. Vivian replied with a gentle smirk. He was filled with curiosity, but he knew he had to approach the young man cautiously. The former mercenary enjoyed a challenge. You were rather upset afterward, whatever happened. Seb gave him an irked glance and drummed his fingers on the bureau. It wasn't a big deal. I overreacted at the time. You don't usually overreact. You're typically level-headed. Seb wondered if Vivin was being sarcastic or not. If you don't want to tell me, that's fine. I'm just concerned whether I'll need to be keeping an eye on her or not. The young man wasn't certain what Vivin meant by that. Shiloh wasn't a threat, per se. Seb rubbed the back of his neck and Vivin sat down in one of the chairs across the desk. You're going to tell him? Nocte's voice entered his mind. He's going to keep bugging me until I do. All right, I know how uncomfortable you've been since she arrived. Nocte's input made Sebastian feel silly. It's not a big deal, Vivin. As I said, I overreacted. Seb ran a hand through his hair. I was hanging out with some guys my age who were betting on who they could get to dance. They saw Shiloh, and I went over to her. Seb felt ridiculous recounting the story. I told her what was going on, and she agreed to go along with it. But I didn't set any boundaries because I thought it would go unsaid, since she knew I was dating Fauna. She kissed you, Vivin deduced. Seb shrugged. She did, yeah. But that wasn't what really bothered me. Vivin waited patiently, and Seb's cheeks flushed slightly. I asked her what she thought she was doing, and she said I needed to lighten up and live in the moment. Seb went quiet, staring at the ground uncomfortably. 
Vivin knew not to press him. Seb rubbed the back of his neck, his cheeks red. You don't have to say. She groped me. Seb said quietly. He mumbled hastily, I know most guys would be thrilled to have her attention and to have her touch them because she's gorgeous, but I am... Vivin was shocked that Shiloh would do that, since she had always been so quiet in camp. Seb wouldn't lie, however, and it was evident from his discomfort that it was the truth. So I freaked out a little bit. I overreacted. Seb stood up and stretched, gazing out of the window. Braziers illuminated the battlements of the marble palace, and guards patrolled the walls. I don't think you overreacted, Vivin said finally. Seb felt the heat rise to his cheeks again. If it was unsolicited, you're allowed to be upset. Seb shook his head with a grin. Like I said, most guys would have considered themselves lucky. It doesn't matter what other guys would have thought in your place. What matters is what you think. It's harassment. It's water under the bridge, Seb said quietly. I know it isn't something that men often talk about. Vivin stood and put his hands in his pockets. So thank you for telling me, Seb. The young man gave him a small smile. I promised Fauna I'd meet her in the library. Let's go. The topic would most likely never be brought up again between them. Seb had taken a load off his chest and was ready to move on. Does she suspect anything about the gift? Vivin held the study door open for Seb. I don't think so, Seb smiled. You spoil her terribly. I know. Enjoy your time with her tonight, because you're not supposed to see her until the wedding, as of midnight. An old tradition, keeping the bride and bridegroom separate the day before the wedding. Seb picked up his pace when he saw Fauna waiting for him outside of the library, and Vivin smiled. Young love was a wonderful thing. He saw Alice's face light up when she saw him and felt his heart pound. He had a surprise for her in a few days as well. Seb gave Fauna a kiss and took her hand in his. She squeezed his hand and glanced at a guard posted outside of the library. I told him I was supposed to meet you in the library, but he wouldn't let me in. Seb smiled and nodded his thanks to the guard, who gave him a grin and dismissed himself. Seb smiled at his fiancée. Ready? I'm not sure. You haven't said what's in there. Fauna teased. A present. Seb opened the door for her and watched her expression eagerly. He shut the door behind them as Fauna gasped and covered her mouth in surprise. <gasps> you didn't. Sebastian didn't have a chance to respond before she threw her arms around his neck with an excited squeal. Fauna ran over to the glossy, oak baby grand piano. It was angled toward the door, so whoever played could have the light of the fireplace illuminating the keys. Fauna stroked the surface of the piano. It had a high-polished finish, so that she could see her reflection in the wood. Are you going to play it? Seb murmured, enjoying watching her appreciate the instrument. Fauna sat down on the plush, black velvet bench and delicately placed her fingers on the keys. Fauna smiled the instant a note rang out, 
perfectly tuned, with a bright sound. She did no more than play a couple of scales before standing up and pulling Seb in for a deep kiss. Seb, this must have cost you a fortune. A small fortune for a small piano, Seb chuckled. I'd pay any price to see you smile, Fawn. And it isn't like I run around spending all of my money. That was true. He was fairly frugal. The piano is the perfect size for this room. Doesn't it complement the room well? It's gorgeous. Fauna realized Seb was gazing at her intently, and she paused. What? Sebastian stroked her cheek. I love when you're so happy. You're even more radiant than usual. I'm the luckiest person in the world to have your love. Fauna's heart tugged, and she kissed her fiancé lustily. Their lips touched feverishly, and they held each other tight. Seb broke away, straightening his back. Fauna gave him a confused look. I want to keep going, but I actually asked for everyone to join us shortly. He glanced at the clock above the mantel. So they could hear you play. Why did you do that? Fauna pouted. Oh, Seb, I almost forgot. Fauna had pockets sewn into the skirt of her dresses. She brought out something enclosed in her hand. Your present. Close your eyes. Seb grinned and closed his eyes. Is it a ring? Close. Fauna laughed. She took his hand and placed something in his palm. Open. The young man gave a startled cry of relief. It was his favorite bracelet, the one he thought he had lost. What? How? Seb asked, bewildered. Fauna gave him a sly smirk. When you were passed out after your bachelor party, I snuck in and stole it. I had my father fit metal clasps, so it'll fit you better. I know you've grown so much that you can't twist it around anymore when you're thinking. Seb brushed her cheek. You noticed that. I noticed. Fauna smiled and kissed his hand affectionately. She took the leather bracelet and clasped it around his thick wrist. The young couple moved in to embrace, but the door opened and people started coming in. Seb caught Vivin's eye and held up his wrist, revealing the bracelet. Vivin put a hand over his heart to show his relief, making the young man smile. Fauna and Felicita performed a beautiful duet, with Fauna on piano and Felicita accompanying on vocals. The music was so moving that even Charles kept silent during the song. Afterward, he made a point of mentioning the size of the piano. Couldn't you have bought her a bigger one? Seb remained seated in the corner of the settee, with his cheek resting on his fist. The young man didn't miss a beat. I could have. But didn't you know it's not the size that counts, it's how you use it? There was a burst of <laughs> laughter across the room, gaining a chuckle from even the elves who were present. Maria, who was sitting next to her son, smacked his leg with her embroidery hoop, but couldn't hide a laugh herself. The puppies ripped around the library, excited by the laughter. Fauna called them over and picked up her puppy, Bramble. She placed his little paws on the keys of the piano, and the puppy turned his head and licked her face. Have you thought of a name for the other one, Seb? I thought of it a few days ago. His name is Bracken. Bracken and Bramble. Oh, that's so cute! Fauna gushed with approval. That's 
what I was going for, Seb mumbled, and his mother gave him a small smile. Vivian glanced at Alice. They were sitting in the corner of the room where they could keep a constant eye on the door. Alice usually kept a bright, alert expression, but her eyes were downcast. What's wrong, Allie? Vivian leaned in and asked at a whisper. Alice blinked, having been lost in thought. The quip Seb made. The twins would have loved that. Vivian took her hand and squeezed it comfortingly. Yes, they would have. Vivian could picture it, Zan and Griff cheering Seb on for his comment. But no more. Meanwhile, Matthias was commenting on the cold weather for the time of the year. Seb joked, Maybe it'll snow for the wedding. Fauna instantly scolded him. Seb, that's terrible luck. Take it back. It may be chilly at the moment, but snow isn't likely. Seb relented. Sebastian was whisked off first thing the following morning, the day before the wedding and coronation, the event of the year, of the decade. Vivian was stealing him for part of the morning, but that was all that the future regent knew. They were flying across Imperior on their dragons, after the morning hunt. Charles had mentioned the night before that he would enjoy hunting, so Seb was obliged to take him. They didn't catch a single thing, thanks to Charles boasting every five minutes. Nocte banked right and swooped down after Kaylee. They were in a quieter section of the great city, where the dragons had room to land. Seb followed Vivin into a shop. Hunter's Goods. The young man was filled with delight. It was, in fact, a hunting shop. Only in Imperior would they have a shop like this. Seb was impressed. If anyone needed hunting supplies in Deep Creek, they would visit Matthias or craft it themselves. Pre-made snare lines hung on the walls. Bear traps forged from different metals were kept on a high shelf. Arrowheads, shafts, feathers, quivers, bows, various hunting knives. I could spend hours here, Seb smiled sweetly, and Vivin chuckled. You're booked for the rest of the day, I'm afraid. Sebastian examined a bow made from pale yew. What do you have planned for me? Before lunch, you're scheduled to spend time with the Oren. I made certain Kirik's kids will be there. After lunch, your friends have the remainder of the day with you. Seb adored Kirik's children. They were full of energy and wanted nothing more than to run around and play, pure and simple. He hoped his friends were planning a peaceful afternoon. They had been down in the city nearly every night. Do you like that one? Vivin gestured to the bow. It's all right. I like the look of the black maple ones. Seb hung up the U-bow and wandered off. Vivin cleared his throat. <clears throat> Find one you like, and a quiver. Alice and I weren't certain what to get you for a wedding gift, so... Seb stared at him in surprise. That's far too kind, Vivin. The former mercenary shrugged. You need a new one. I know how often you have to repair your current bow. I think it would look nice above the mantle in your new bedroom as a keepsake. The bow Seb used nearly every day was one he made himself several years ago. It worked well, but overuse had worn it quickly. 
But I couldn't. Vivian raised a hand. We're getting something for Fauna as well, of course. This counts as a birthday and wedding gift, so choose whichever you'd like. The older man went to the till and chatted with the shop owner until Seb made his decision. He brought up an impressive black maple bow, and Vivin took it a step further by asking the shopkeeper to have it inlaid with a gold and silver design. Seb immediately protested, but Vivin pushed him out of the shop. He would return in a couple of weeks to pick it up. Chasing after Kirik's kids was some of the most fun Seb had had in a long time. They played hide-and-seek, though Seb kept Ben up on his shoulders. In the afternoon, Sebastian and his friends played Tamerball, with Nocte and Kaylee at their disposal. Ember wouldn't let anyone other than Alice, Vivin, and Seb near her. The Great Tamer enjoyed helping his friends with their first rides on a dragon. They had to coax Elon onto Kaylee. The dragons didn't go too far or too high, just enough to give the civilians a taste of what Tamers experienced. The boys threw around a leather ball, and Nocte chased them for it. Crisay and Seb stood together, taking a short break, watching the others. Crisay laughed <laughs> as Tristan got shoved to the ground by Axon, who attempted to steal the ball, only to lose it to Nocte. The black opal dragon carried the ball between his pointed teeth, a somewhat unfair advantage. You must have the time of your life playing Tamer Ball, Crisay smiled. I do. Seb watched his dragon with an amused smirk. When's your next match? After the honeymoon, I suppose. Uh, actually, Seb replied slowly, I won't be playing again. What? Why? Crisay cried, incredulous. Sebastian shrugged, his hands on his hips as he watched Nocte chase after his friends. They don't want me back. Seb, what in the underworld are you talking about? Crisse couldn't understand. You had an off day the other day, but you're a fantastic player. You have complete control over the field. The Great Tamer shuffled his feet and stared at the ground. And over their dragons. The truth is, a number of players have gone to their captains and made complaints. It isn't fair for the Great Tamer, the person who can command everyone's dragons, to play. Crisse stared at his best friend. Seb was nearly a head taller than him. There was a sadness in his eyes that Crisse always knew was there, but had deepened. What a load of dragon shit, Seb. They're just jealous of you. What about Ryan? Does he want you to continue? He's livid. He even told me he was going to quit. But I told him not to. Sebastian shrugged again. And I'm going to be too busy running the country anyway. It doesn't matter, Crisse. Crisse went to argue again. But Seb smiled at him and ran back into the game. That evening after dinner, Seb's friends did want him to go down to the city to pub crawl, but Seb urged them to go by themselves. He was going to enjoy his last free night alone. Seb took solace in the back lot garden. Night had fallen, and it was chilly, but he didn't mind. The battlements were lit by the warm glow of braziers. 
but from where he was seated on a bench, he could still look up and see the stars twinkling brightly. He heard the flap of wings and a chirp. The red pygmy dragon landed on his shoulder. He nuzzled Seb's head affectionately, and Seb chuckled, rubbing his scaly head. My dragon is going to get jealous, you know. The small ruby dragon's chest rumbled, and he laid his tail across Seb's shoulders. Seb took a swig from a steel flask and scratched under the pygmy dragon's chin. Am I interrupting? A soft voice asked. Seb didn't hear her coming. Fauna smiled at him, and the pygmy dragon growled, jumping down onto the bench and flying away. Don't mind him. He'll warm up to you eventually. You say that like you're going to keep him. I might try to domesticate him. He's pretty cute. Fauna sat down on Seb's lap, putting an arm around him and kissing his head. She wore a heavy cloak for a spring night. Seb tugged it and teased. Maybe it will snow tomorrow. Don't say that, Fauna groaned, hanging her head back. Her auburn hair swept across Seb's face, and he gently brushed it aside. He took another swig from the flask, and Fauna cocked her head. It's some of the reserve Lord Oril gave us as a wedding present, Seb admitted, passing her the metal container. The brandy? Where did he say it was from? She sniffed the liquor cautiously. A county called Linwin. It's beautiful there. So many vineyards. Seb murmured as Fauna took a sip of the brandy. I'm going to take you there someday. His fiance smiled softly and took another sip. This is lovely. So smooth. Remember what he said about it, Seb warned. A little will go a long way. It's potent. Fauna screwed the cap back on and gazed at Seb intently. His honey-brown eyes were warm and bright. Why are you here with this? She shook the flask gently. Instead of with the boys. Why are you here instead of with your friends? Seb countered. Fauna's gray eyes pressed him for an answer. I was honestly hoping to see you out here. Even though it's cold and dark, I thought I might have a chance of seeing you today if I came here. Fauna kissed him and stroked his cheek. It's a silly old tradition, keeping us apart the day before our wedding. I'm marrying you because I never want us to be apart. Seb took her jaw and pulled her in for a heated kiss. From this moment on, we never have to be apart again. Except that we're going back to separate rooms. Just for tonight. Seb grinned and stroked her auburn hair. And remember my promise, Vaughn. Wherever I go, however far, for however long, I'm always going to come back to you. I can't stand being without you. The young couple kissed again, deeply. They let their lips linger. Do you think anyone would notice if I went back to your room tonight? Fauna giggled <laughs> and gave him one more kiss before standing. The next time you see me, Sebastian Allor, I'm going to be walking down the aisle to you. Seb watched her go and realized after a moment that he had been holding his breath. One of the first dreams he had ever had, marrying Fauna Bine, it was finally happening tomorrow.
Thanks for listening to Chapter 37, Part 2 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews help more people find the podcast, so it's a huge help. And if you're able to give a DTF an extra hand, please check out the merch and support tabs on the website. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram or Facebook. As always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons.